It is possible to be thankful every moment, every day. It, it takes practice and humility. It takes vision and civility. It takes practice and humility. It takes vision and civility. Hi, and welcome to Tell Me What Happened, the podcast that features real people talking about real events from their childhood and how those events impacted their lives. I'm your host, Jay Rehack. And like you, I've had a lot of experiences in my childhood that still resonate with me today. I have as my guest today, Eileen O'Farrell-Smith, a woman I have known for more than two decades. Eileen is someone that I met at Old St. Pat's in Chicago after she had helped organize a group of Catholic and Jewish parents who were trying to raise their children, both Catholic and Jewish, with an appreciation for both faiths. I feel Eileen's pain as she tells us her story. Welcome, Eileen. Hi, Jay. What a treat to be with you. It's it's a delight. Just a delight. It's good to reconnect. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sorry we're in, in we're still in the middle of a corona, but it's good to be able to see your face on Zoom anyway. Absolutely. And grateful for the technology. For right. sure. That's it. Well, Eileen, are you ready to tell your story? I think I am. I, th- I think I am. I'm grateful for the opportunity. All right. I'm going to try to uh, kick back and not say a word. I might, my wife tells me I talk too much, so I'm going to cl- put my hand over my mouth and just listen to your story. So take it away. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, and I have to say that when I first became aware of this opportunity, I knew immediately what I wanted to talk about. And so here's, here's the way the story goes. And that I was raised, I grew up not here in Chicago, but on Long Island in a very typical Irish Catholic middle-class suburban family in the 1950s. So I'm dating myself. I lived with my mother and father, one older brother, 15 months, almost Irish twins, two dogs, large extended family of aunts and uncles and cousins, two sets of grandparents, And everybody really lived within driving distance from the house. My childhood was idyllic. Well, I take that back. There was one major force that dominated my childhood with memories that really were fearful and shameful and humiliation. And that source was the Roman Catholic Church. I went to public school in my elementary years, kindergarten through sixth, sixth grade because in seventh and eighth grade, I went to Catholic high school. Um, My parents made a commitment to engage in in a CCD program, which CCD stands for the Confraternity of Christian Doctrine. And once that decision was made, it was going to be a rocky journey. Every Saturday morning, starting probably about the age of six, I was bundled into the car with my brother off to the local church, where I was schooled and drilled with the Baltimore Catechism. I remember the basement space was was dark, it was dank, and I recall it being scary. Um, we didn't linger there, we, we moved through that space through, um, through the, to the classroom. It took the entire morning of Saturday, every Saturday, and once home, after a lunch of a cream cheese and jelly sandwich, which really was my favorite, no peanut butter in our family. Um, we all headed back to church for the weekly experience of penance. 
again, it was a time that I really dreaded. Did it year round. I remember being dragged, out, not dragged, but encouraged to get out of the pool on a hot summer day. And I remember fearing the dark space, that box, um, knowing that I had spent some time discerning the difference between what was being sin versus a mortal sin and hoping that I had gotten it right. I was six, seven, eight. And I remember lying about confessing how many times I might have hit my brother. Um, and that is true. Was it two? Was it six? Was it 20? That was Saturday. Sundays began with mass at 10 a.m. And back in those days, there was no breakfast because you had to fast. And I think it was either the night before or three hours before, but you had to fast. The mass was in Latin, which felt mysterious and very foreign. The highlight of the morning, ironically, aka the reward, was the visit to the local Jewish bakery, Flakowitz's, um, on the way home, which was so glorious and so delicious. We would buy just a bounty of crumb cakes and crullas and black and white cookies and jelly donuts. And it was wonderful. No surprise I married a Jewish man. That afternoon, fresh from mass, um, I usually would sit with my dad and review the memorization from the day before of the Baltimore Catechism. And I, and I remember that being very tender, very a tender experience, sitting with my dad in an easy chair. Um, he was a, a, a gentle teacher. There was no aspect of it feeling punishing at all. But at the same time, to this day, I laugh that I can remember the basic lessons of why God made me. And of course, we all know the answer was to know, to love, and to serve him. And that's him with capital letters. All of these rituals and practices were leading me to my first Holy Communion in second grade. When at last the preparation was complete, the dress and the veil and the gloves were all purchased and they fit right, the day finally arrived. I don't remember how I was feeling the morning of the event. I probably was excited and looking forward to look. That's what we were supposed to look like in these glorious little gowns and veils. It, they really made a point of it. Um, I might have been scared. And again, I think because at the time, my take on God was, it, it was an angry guy seeing everything from heaven, not to be confused with Santa Claus. And at the same time, declaring me to be worthy only if he decided to give me his grace. There was nothing I could do to merit it. I was taught mea maxima culpa, of course, meaning through my most grievous fault. I think it's hard to be a theologian when you're six years old. Being the tallest in the class, I was always, I'm tall now, I was tall then. I was the last in procession to approach the church altar. I imagine my anxiety grew a bit as I got closer to kneeling at the altar, remember this is the 50s, to be served the body of Christ, the blood and body of our Lord by the priest, assisted by his altar server. I was probably thinking, will I do it right? Will I be able to swallow it without choking? Oh my gosh, can my family see me? What's going on? Where are they? I imagine, and I feel even as I'm recalling this, that I was roiling with the fear of failure. And so, by the time I returned to my pew after receiving the host, I was in such a frenzy that I vomited. Oh no, I couldn't swallow it. 
we were taught, don't let it touch your teeth. Don't let it touch the roof of your mouth. My throat, I panicked. And so it came. I threw up. Piece landing on the floor. A piece landing on the back of the pew in front of me. What do I do? What do I do? Do I hide it? Do I step on it? Oh, no, you can't do that. That's the body of Christ. I couldn't do that. That was Jesus. And from what I remember, before I could make a decision, it happened so quickly. I was surrounded by what felt like a platoon of the Sisters of Mercy, cleaning, praying. And here's the kicker. Because in a heartbeat, I was marched back up to the altar again to receive, surrounded by the murmurs and whispers about what had happened throughout the church. And truthfully, I don't remember the rest, really. It was traumatic, though. The cloak of personal shame has followed me and colored my entire life. And today, that's the story. So thank you. And it's so sad that poor little Eileen, that poor little six-year-old Eileen, or seven-year-old Eileen, oh, that poor little girl. Oh, my God. And yet, I know, Eileen, because I've known you for a million years, that you are yeah. a, very, a, a woman of deep faith. And uh, so that, that event, uh, I, it's the question that I ask all my guests. As you look back on that event and you ask yourself, or I ask you, how has that event impacted your perspective on the world or who you are today or who you have been throughout your life. So if you could just give us a little bit of um, how you think that moment impacted you, because I, I won't speak for you, but I, I know you didn't just quit the church that day. I, mean, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> so tell us how it impacted you. And I, again, I will get out of the way here. Yeah, thanks, Jay. You know, I, I have to say that this memory has continued to play out in my life. As you just jokingly said, no, we continued the, the same practices for many years, for actually all of my life. I, I went on to Catholic high school and then a Catholic college. Um, and I think the lessons of Catholicism, not so much this experience of being humiliated, was alive and I, th I think after college, my career path followed as being a servant to social justice. I joined the Peace Corps. When I came home, I joined VISTA, worked in a job corps in Cave City, Kentucky, went on to get a bunch of other degrees. And I think in some distorted way, all of that work, the jobs I held, they all were emblematic of me atoning that if, if I did one more thing, I would discover God's grace. And I think playing out the story in its entirety to this day, how it shaped my life, I think marrying a Jewish man and exposing me fully and deeply, to this day I belong to a Jewish community, um, that some of those foundational lessons, like there is no search, the one true story, that I realized that that might not be my truth. Could be their truth, but it wasn't mine. And that there was another way 
to be, to see things, and to begin that journey of forgiving myself for not catching on faster. It's a sad, I mean, as we're talking, it makes me feel so sad, and yet at the same time grateful that I, I get it now. I get it. Grateful for what I had taught, been taught. And it's, the irony isn't lost on me that I was just smitten with the work of a Jewish man. And it wasn't the canons and the creeds and all of that followed, but rather his core teachings of love one another love one another, serve one another, reach to the margins. And it wasn't those lessons of the Baltimore Catechism. And again, it's, it's a mixed blessing in that I'm grateful and yet sorry that it took me 50 years to figure it out. Well, that was a very powerful story. And I'm I think to a certain extent, the world benefited by the fact it took you 50 years to work it out because <laughs> doing all that cool stuff for people, <laughs> maybe it inspired you to do all the wonderful things you did to help people. So that's our show. Thank you so much, Eileen O'Farrell-Smith, for telling us your story. I'd like to invite everybody who listens in to consider coming on to Tell Me What Happened and telling us your story, your childhood memory your formative event. Also, just want you to know that Sidelining Publishing will be publishing these stories, some of these stories, in a book, Tell Me What Happened, in the spring of 2021. And I invite all the listeners to send us a copy of their story, if they would prefer not to speak it out loud. You can send it to sideliningpublishing at gmail.com. We're going to end the show with the full version of Susan Salador's Every Moment, Every Day. Available on Spotify, BTW. Until next time, this is Jay Rehack asking you all to stay safe out there and try not to hurt anybody. It is possible to be thankful every moment, every day. It, it takes practice and humility. It takes vision and civility. It takes practice and humility. It takes vision and civility. It takes beauty and the wisdom to see it every day. It takes practice and humility. It takes vision and civility. It is possible to be thankful every day. It takes practice and humility, it takes vision and civility, it takes practice and the wisdom to see it as a ability. It takes practice and humility, it takes vision and civility, it takes beauty and the wisdom to see it everywhere. It is possible to be thankful every moment, every day.